0: Do do your boobs have names? What? Did you name your boobs? Yes, she did.
1: Wait, I'm. Wait, which conversation are we having? What are the names of your tits? Uh, Thelma and Louise. Huh? Because Louise is the left one. (laughs) L. (laughs) What are we talking about? Are you gonna ask me what my boobs' names are? Do I have them? Yes!
0: Mine are Fred and George. (laughs) Fred Fred (laughs) and George. George is the left one because George is the longer name, and the left one is bigger.
1: (laughs) I can't. (laughs) I just don't. I think. I think this is this is the end. Are you a good witch or a bad witch? I've been a rebel all my life. We will not remain hidden figures. We have names. Oh, if it's naughty to ruse your lips, shake your shoulders, shake your hips, and let a lady confess I want to be there. I didn't kid you, did I? Well, now you know. All right, let's talk about some things. Hey, Han. Uh, <gasps> hey, Deanna.
0: Good morning. Good morning. It's gray and chilly. And it
1: feels wonderful. I know, I like it. I'm in a sweater. You're in a sports bra.
0: (laughs) I don't understand how you're in a sweater. I'm cold. You're not, it makes zero sense. I just, what is that? What is cold? What is cold? I'm a Viking princess, so. Oh, are you? I can handle the cold. Okay. Sort of. Yeah. I'm most comfortable in like 60 degree weather.
1: Yeah, I prefer like 70. You prefer like 75 to 78. (laughs) Yeah, I prefer
0: 60 to 65. (laughs) Then I would, at at 60 degrees, I would put on a light sweater, but that's my preferred method of dress.
1: Anyway, hi. Welcome to Good Witches, Bad Bitches. I'm Deanna,
0: and that's Hannah. Mm Mm-hmm. Hi. 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 Hey. Hey, what's our podcast about? We do a podcast about sometimes history, sometimes modern. Ladies. Ladies. That we want to talk about, you know, people that we find interesting, who we think you need to know, and we want to teach you all about them, sort Mm -hmm. of. It's basically like the uh, remedial course for these women, like... Yeah, because we know nothing about them, and we're not
1: scholars.
0: We are academic people, but this is not like a well-researched hearer or so... I mean, you know, I'm not writing a thesis statement here. I
1: wouldn't call myself an academic.
0: I have a master's degree.
1: You have a master's degree. <laughs> I don't have one of those. <laughs> no.
0: I have a master's degree and a lot of debt. Um, Yay. Anyway.
1: Yeah. It's, that's <laughs> what our podcast is about. <laughs> Good explanation. I, think I need
0: more coffee, but that's okay. I where, don't. I, where, don't, I, don't oh, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. Okay. Um, um, all right. Oh. So. Wow. Yeah. Welcome to your weekly dose of ladies. Brought to you by ladies.
1: (laughs) Dan, do you have some stuff you want to tell me about? Yeah, okay.
0: So real quick, I wanted to do an intro um, because I learned about this and I thought it was kind of wild. Have you heard of the Phantom of Heilbronn? Heilbronn? No. H-E-I-L-B-R-O-N-N. It's in Germany, so Heilbronn. Say that again? H-E-I-L-B-R-O-N-N. Yeah. Braun. Heilbronn. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You haven't heard of this? Mm-mm. It's weird. Okay. Okay. So, um, this, this little thing comes from ISO.org, and it is the mystery of the Phantom of Heilbronn. A female serial killer mm. named Phantom of Heilbronn was linked to 40 crimes, six of which were murders. Yet, in 2009, it was discovered that she did not exist. Uh, what? Right? Uh. Anyway. Da-da-da. A woman referred to as the Phantom of Heilbronn assumed national prominence in Germany after the murder of a policewoman. The Phantom's crimes were too numerous to mention, uh, scores of brutal murders and thefts, a string of brutalities extending as far back as 1993. What did this series of ruthless attacks and petty crime have in common? Very little, with the exception of DNA from one individual recovered at each crime scene and pointing to the same culprit. Oh. You may be thinking... They have DNA, why can't they find the phantom? The investigation was complicated by several factors, blah, blah, blah. These factors included geographical disparity of the crime scenes, the lack of pattern in her list of accomplices, including Slovaks, Serbs, Romanians, Albanians, and Iraqis, as well as the fact that persons convicted for some of the crimes denied her existence. (laughs) She had not been captured on any security camera, and certain witnesses described her as looking like a man. (laughs) The inconclusive evidence finally led investigators to reconsider. Uh, Human genetic material had inadvertently been transferred to the forensic sampling equipment, bringing a series of criminal investigations back to square one. (laughs) So they basically figured out that there was a woman who worked at a lab that made... DNA test kits, so they would use cotton swabs. Oh, my God. And she worked and packaged them. So her DNA was always on the cotton swabs. Oh, my God. So it, like, brought into question how easily contaminated, how
1: easily DNA kits can, can be contaminated. Our science has evolved so much, and yet such simple things can foil us. Right. So deeply. Yes.
0: And that's basically, it's, yeah, The swabs used in the phantom cases all came from the same factory, which employs several women, one of whom matched the DNA recovered from the crime scenes. My God. The cotton swabs were put through the proper sterilization procedures, but still became contaminated with human cells in the form of skin particles, sweat, saliva, or other bodily secretions. So it's like they thought that they were looking for this insane, crazy woman who was somehow... Everywhere. Everywhere and committing all these heinous crimes. (laughs) And she had zero to do with them. And she, Uh, the Phantom of Heilbronn.
1: I love that. Isn't that crazy? Yes.
0: I can't believe, I didn't know about it.
1: No. Uh, Well, it sounds familiar now that you have finished telling me about it. I feel (laughs) like I I must have read about it or something at the time because that was what, 2009? Yeah, that they were like, oh shit. It's just so, it's so funny. I mean, that's so many resources they spent. Trying to figure out who this person this, is, this
0: horrible, horrible criminal,
1: and it never who once
0: consistently evaded their grasp. That's like something out of a fiction novel.
1: A fiction novel. <laughs> cut that, oh. Ben! Cut Don't it. cut it! Don't cut it! Oh my god! Ben, keep it in.
0: <laughs> so, should we move on? <laughs> Have we harped enough on bullshit?
1: <laughs> bullshit! 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 Yes.
0: Bullshit! 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 I just watched that movie for the first time.
1: Seriously? Mm-hmm. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Hmm. Oh, I love that movie. Uh, it was not at all what I expected it to be. Way to go. Uh, I'm always spilling on myself on because the
0: show. Because I thought, I thought, sure, but it was interesting because I feel like knowing Kristen Bell as I know her now, I was like, why would she play a role like that of of like a bitch ex-girlfriend blah, blah, blah. But that's not what it is at all. It's true. It's like a funny movie mm-hmm. where all the characters are complicated and...
1: Yeah, fun to watch. It's fun to watch. And you're interested. And Russell
0: Brand doesn't drink booze. I thought they were going to make him fall off the wagon, and he never did. No. He's like, no. yeah, I don't drink. And then it, they just stuck with that. hmm I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. And good on Jason Segel for going full frontal in that movie. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that was the best. It was in the first three minutes of the movie.
1: Yep. <laughs> yep. That shaky penis. Oh, he's so cute.
0: <laughs> also... I see why he would be fine with going full frontal. Oh. I mean, he might be a shower, not a grower, but
1: even then, still. A shower, not a grower? Do you I've, not know this I've phrase? I've never heard that before. What the fuck is that? What is that? Somebody tell me before I start panicking. Oh, my God. It's about dicks. Well, yeah, but so what like, is... Okay.
0: So, penises. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. When you look at a flaccid penis... Uh-huh. If it's a shower, that means when he gets hard, it doesn't really get that much bigger. Like, that's what you see is what you get. Okay. A grower, it's like it could be small, and then when he's hard, it goes, whoa, shit, that dick is huge, or something, you know? Where does this come from? Is this just a thing? It's just in the vernacular. I don't know how to explain it to you. I first heard it a long time ago.
1: Oh, my goodness. No, they didn't teach me that in um But I'm saying my that Jason class. Siegel.
0: Not hard, still has a pretty big dick, so this is, so I'm, who knows? Wait, how did we start at the <laughs> Phantom of Heilbronn and now we're here? <laughs> let's talk about, let's talk about a lady, shall we? Let's mm-hmm. get to, let's get to why we're actually here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually, I'm, I think that this one's going to be pretty cool. Um I'm going I'm going way back in history way back. I mean, you know, with within reason.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm going to the seventeenth century sixteen hundreds for those of you who are interested. I am This was a suggestion that one of our listeners gave, so hopefully she'll be excited that I'm covering this person that she likes. Yay, on air. And today I'm gonna to talk to you about Christina, Queen of Sweden.
1: Oh. Oh, I think this is another one that I wanted to do, and now you're stealing it from me. That's not how that works. You bitch. That's not how that works. Oh, Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Damn (laughs) it. This is going to be awesome.
0: I'm really excited. Tell me. Um, I got most of my information from headstuff.org and Wikipedia, and she was really cool. (laughs) Yeah, she was. All right. Let's do it. Uh, uh, Christina of Sweden was trouble right from the moment she was born. Did you know that?
1: Uh, (laughs) I I, I did. I did indeed know that.
0: Her parents had no surviving children, and her mother Maria was desperate to to give King Gustavus, Gustavus a son. Uh, the only legitimate heirs to the throne of Sweden at the time were the King of Poland and his sons, and Sweden had been at war with Poland for the last twenty six years. So, it's kind of important. Although at the at this current time, no, even today, but Sweden has been relatively progressive in that women have always been in line to inherit the throne.
1: Oh. So it would seem.
0: So it's like if they had a daughter, she would still be in line. Okay. But of course, because sexism is rampant throughout all of history, um, they knew it'd be easier if they had a son.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Fair. Anyway. Oh, this is what it fucking says. Though women could inherit the Swedish throne, it would definitely be easier for a man. (laughs) (laughs) Maria. Maria. I don't know why I stuttered. I don't need more coffee. I'm clearly fine. Um... (sighs) Maria was delighted on the 18th of December in 1626 when she gave birth and the midwives told her she had just given birth to a healthy baby boy. Whoops. The news was immediately rushed to the king. It was the king's sister Catherine who then had to bring him the news that there'd been a mistake. Oh, fuck. By wordlessly walking up to him with the princess naked in her arms, the king (laughs) laughed and said, Oh, she'll be a clever one. She's fooled all of us. (laughs) <laughs> oh, my God. Such drama. I know. Why it was thought that Christina was a boy is unclear. The most common reason given at the time was that she was hairy. <laughs> hairy babies apparently are not that unusual. All babies grow hair in the womb, but most shed it before they're born. Hmm. A rare few do not, but will shed it shortly after birth. I don't know what that means, because, like, some babies are born with a head of hair. Like, I had hair on my head when I was born.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Her big nose and deep voice were also cited. Which also... What? Not things that have anything to do with sex, but cool. Okay. Um, Wow. There's some modern speculation, apparently, uh, that she may have been intersex to some degree. Mm. But whether that's the case or not, it's obviously impossible to tell. Right. Uh, There are mentions in the records by her physicians of her menstruating, which would rule out some, but not all, intersex manifestations.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: But it's an interesting thing to
1: wonder about.
0: about. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm I'm inclined to think that it was probably just that she was masculine, and so they're like, boy, <laughs> whatever that means. Baby, yeah. How can babies be feminine they're babies? Anyway, deep breaths. Um, her father took the news of having a daughter reasonably well, but Queen Maria was much less cool-headed about it. Oh, uh, boy. Her mental instability was well-known, so the news was kept from her for her own good. Oh. That doesn't help in the long run.
1: Yeah. Uh Mm. It was
0: several days after she gave birth before she found out the truth. That's insane that they would keep that news from her. She spent these days thinking she had a boy. That's fucked. It's reported that when she realized uh, she she tried to attack her newborn baby shouting, instead of a son, I'm given a daughter, dark and ugly, with a great nose and black eyes. Take her from me. I will not have such a monster. Lordy. Somebody's going to have mommy issues. Oof. Isn't that crazy? That is, yeah, really upsetting. Yeah. Huh. And kind of bizarre that the king was like, cool. <laughs> he, he like thought it was funny. He's like, all right, she's going to be smart. She's already tricking us. And the mom's like, let me fucking kill this baby. That's, That's so weird. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this division between her parents defined Christina's early childhood. Makes sense. Yeah. Her father decided that if she was his heir, then he would make the best of it. And he ensured that she was brought up as befitted the role of heir to the throne. Good. Good so So, uh, it was uh, that from an early age, she was involved in as many, quote, masculine pursuits as she was feminine ones, Uh, and her father was an enthusiastic part of that. On the other hand, her mother was barely involved in her life at all, leaving her to be raised by her Aunt Catherine. Jeez. Another important figure in her life was Axel Oxenstierna. Oh. Yeah, God bless you. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Her father's chancellor and most trusted counselor. In 1632, these people became even more important in her life when her father was killed fighting in the Thirty Years' War. Aww. The death of the king sent shockwaves throughout Europe. The war had pitted the Protestant nations against the Catholic ones, and the king had been an important and popular leader on the Protestant side. Chancellor Oxenstierna knew that solid leadership was vital, and so he knew he had to ensure Queen Maria was kept away from the regency. Ugh. Which is also slightly... Sad um, it, then it's yeah. like where it's like, she's crazy, keep her away. But clearly she was unstable. Um
1: there's n- that's one of the problems with like royal blood is the only way to determine a ruler. Yeah. Because then you Because your God's chosen. Yeah, then you end up with like people who aren't fit to rule. No.
0: Not everybody's a leader.
1: No. La 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 la.
0: Um, She was kept away from the Regency. This was made easier by the effect that her husband's death had on her already fragile mind. She had accompanied the army and returned to Sweden with his embalmed body, which she refused to allow them to bury. Yikes. So. Instead, she laid it out in a state room lit only by candlelight with windows blocked with black velvet. Christina was forced to join her in this twilight existence until the queen was finally persuaded to relent in 1634 and let her husband be buried. That's two years she kept the body just in a room.
1: Drama, drama,
0: drama! My God! And apparently, I don't. It might say this later on in this, but I also read that apparently she took her husband's heart and like pinned it over her bed. Whoa. She grieved in very strange ways. This woman. <sighs> Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh. And there's no way she's going to have a son now. Well,
1: no. Mm-mm. No, if that's, like, her deepest heart's desire, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time Queen Maria came out of
0: seclusion, Chancellor oxenstierna they are going to make me say this name all the time— yep. had firmly consolidated himself in the Regency Council. He had taken advantage of the break in authority to put forward Sweden's first constitution. Oh. Which is Interesting. Uh, This limited some of the monarch's power and passed some of it to a privy council, headed by him, of course. Uh Uh-huh. Maria then turned her attention to Christina and distressed her to such an extent that the council were forced to exile her from the capital.
1: Exile the mom? Yeah. Whoa! (laughs)
0: Like, she can't even be around because she's causing so much trouble. Okay. Which is wild to me. Um, Christina was once again being raised by her Aunt Catherine, as her father had directed, until she passed away in 1636. yeah shit. How old is... Let me see. She was born in, oh, 1626. So her dad died when she was, like... A kid. Six, year, six years old. Yeah. And now she's 10.
1: Oh, my God. And her God. aunt,
0: who was, in essence, her mother figure, died. That's too bad. Say... Uh, her death was considered a great loss, though ineligible for the throne, her line had been disinherited for some reason. What? Whoa. She had still served the kingdom faithfully. After her death, Ox and Stierna decided to have Christina raised by a succession of temporary foster parents in order to ensure that the queen-to-be would not play favorites, which is an interesting thing to do.
1: Play favorites in what with, way? Her,
0: with her foster parents. Huh. So she was raised by
1: so she was basically raised to not. She was raised by a village. Love her parents that much or something? Yeah, because they aren't
0: her real blood
1: parents. So yeah. I guess maybe there's. It's an interesting. It's an interesting
0: idea. I don't. I don't quite get why that would be a problem. Maybe like favoring a family that's not the actual royal family. huh. Might cause issues with the constitution. New Could constitution. Be. All right. Could be. All, All right. I'll right. we'll go with it. I mean, f- having favor with a monarch is like a common thing all the time in monarchies. True. Especially at this time. Um, this is like just after Queen Elizabeth the First, I believe. Christina's education, of course, was highly extensive, especially for anyone at the time, doubly so for a woman. Hmm. She studied art, philosophy, languages, including Hebrew and Arabic, as well as ballet to improve her grace and poise. It's hard to think she enjoyed the latter very much as she was always somewhat contemptuous of, quote, feminine things. She probably preferred fencing, which she learned along with horsemanship and tactics. All of this molded her. War tactics? Yeah. Battle? I think so. All of this molded her into the person who she ultimately became. From an early age, Christina made her distaste for the idea of marriage obvious. She did not lack for suitors. Uh, there's a rumor that her cousin Charles Gustav tried to persuade her to marry him, for example.
1: Gross, Charles. She wasn't exactly conventionally attractive. Um, well, even her mom was like said something about her big nose or some shit. Yeah, a hideous.
0: Anyway, Ugh. Um, she wore men's clothing and had a talent for missing social nuances. Mm-hmm. This has led to some <laughs> retroactive diagnoses. Always risky that she. May have had a mild autism spectrum disorder, but again, who Who fucking knows? We're trying to just uh, place it on it. Um, She had, as her mother had noticed, a big nose. (laughs) There you go. And had one shoulder higher than the other as a result of a broken and badly healed collarbone as a child. Ouch. But she was intelligent and passionate and could be charming when she wanted to be. In other words, she was trouble waiting to happen. (laughs) Two major events happened in 1644. So she was born in 1626, she's not even 20 years old. Mm -mm. Uh, the uh, The first was when Christina turned 18, which meant that she was officially considered an adult. She began to take on some of the responsibilities of reigning, though Sweden's ongoing war with Denmark meant that her coronation was delayed. The second was that she met a young woman named Ebba Spar.
1: That's 15- a good name. Mm-hmm. Ebba Spar.
0: The 15-year-old Ebba was the daughter of a political family who had been sent home. Who, nope. Who had been sent to become Christina's handmaiden. Ebba was very beautiful, and Christina became infatuated with her. <laughs> she called her Belle and often praised her beauty to visiting diplomats. Christina's surviving letters make it clear that her passion for la belle comtesse, which is what she called her, went beyond the platonic. Though, how much Ebba returned these feelings and how physical their relationship was is hard to say. Mm. Christina even interfered in Ebba's marriage, choosing her husband as someone who would keep her close to court. Christina also had two other favorite handmaidens. Jane Ruthven, daughter of an exiled Scottish royalist general, sexy, and Louise van stepdaughter of a baron. Neither of them were as favored as Belle, though.
1: Ha ha ha. Anyone whose nickname is Belle, I can imagine, is the highest. Is the highest, yeah. As queen,
0: queen, Christina had two main priorities. Peace for Sweden. Great. Fair. And to make Stockholm the cultural capital of Northeastern Europe. Oh, okay. Both laudable aims. Neither entirely realistic. (laughs) With the Thirty Years' War burning across Europe, Sweden was not going to be permitted to sit on the sidelines. I don't even know what this war is. Their conflict with Denmark was just a part of a larger picture one Christina chose not to care about. Fair. All right. This brought her into conflict with Chancellor Oxenstierna in 1645 when he sent his son Johan to negotiate on behalf of Sweden at peace talks in Austinbrook. Johan was ordered to see that unless Sweden got a good deal, then the war should continue. But Christina sent along her own delegate to ensure that peace was secured at any cost. In the end, the talks were successful and the wars came to an end. The talks were successful because of her, because of Johan? Who, Who knows? knows. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, Johan was clearly there to make sure that Sweden didn't get fucked over. Yeah. And she was basically like, I don't care as long as we stop fighting. Yeah. Which is an interesting. I see both sides of that. Yeah.
1: I do, because, um, I mean, fighting
0: is a form of being fucked over. True. Good point. Yeah. Um, Christina, unfortunately, Christina's cultural efforts were less successful. Aww. She had a theater created in one of her palaces and appointed the Swedish scholar Georg Steinhelm as court poet. In response, he wrote several plays for her, and Christina herself performed for private audiences in of course, two of them. As you do. She attracted foreign scholars to the court, and her greatest coup was in attracting the philosopher René Descartes to Stockholm to start an academy. Well, 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 Christina. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. René Descartes. Uh, da, da, da. The plan failed, however, for three reasons. <laughs> One, because Descartes and the Queen Christ Nope. Because... God damn it. One! <laughs> Because Descartes and Queen Christina turned out to dislike each other intensely. Okay. Two, because the cold climate led the elderly philosopher to catch a chill that turned into pneumonia and killed him. (gasps) Oops. Whoops. And three, because Sweden couldn't afford to fund the academy. Oh. (laughs) Those are all pretty good reasons, I think. I think him dying was probably a big one.
1: Yeah, yeah, that probably had a lot to
0: Mm -hmm. do with it.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. The foreign
0: scholars mostly drifted away and the dream died. It wasn't a total failure, however, because the homegrown talent, like steernhelm stayed and proved to be a great contribution to Swedish culture. Cool. Oh. The real crisis, however, of Christina's reign turned out to be marriage and succession. Which mm. makes sense if she doesn't want to get ha- married. Get married. Mm-hmm. Her council took it for granted that the queen would marry and produce an heir. Christina, however, had no interest in marriage or men in general. She took, as her example, the English Queen Elizabeth and pointed out that uh, by marrying, she would be effectively handing over her rulership to her husband. Yep. The council diplomatically uh, didn't point out to her that that was a large part of the point. Ouch. <sighs> this meant that Christina's solution of making her cousin, Charles Gustav her heir wasn't sufficient enough to satisfy them. Things were still at an impasse in 1650 when Christina was finally officially crowned queen. So she was 24. So she
1: argued with them all that
0: time Uh about... Because when she was 18, she was eligible to be coronated.
1: Coronated? Is that right?
0: Anyway. I don't know. Um, So
1: why did it take so long?
0: The war, I think. Oh, oh, oh. Right, right. Um, Blah, blah, blah. Though she was now queen, Christina still sat uneasily on the throne. A new crisis began to develop in 1651 when rumors began to swirl that she was considering converting to Catholicism. Oh. The terms of the treaty at Austinbrook five years earlier had been that the religion of the ruler would determine the religion of the country. Oh my God, that's insane. And the Catholic Church had responded by targeting rulers and heirs for conversion.
1: Oh of course yes they, they did. did. Of course yes they, they did. did. The
0: most successful targets of this era were the exiled children of King Char- uh exiled children of King Charles of England, Charles and James. James did fully convert to Catholicism before becoming King of England, King James, and though this actually led to a successful a uh, coup to overthrow him.
1: <laughs>
0: the The secretary of the Portuguese ambassador was a learned man and a Jesuit, and he and the queen had many discussions about philosophy and science. He passed her curiosity back on the order, and as a result, two more Jesuit scholars came to Stockholm in disguise. They also met with the queen. By May of 1652, Christina had made up her mind to become a Catholic. Wow, that's some fucking persuasion. Which, because that whole uh, the whole time during the the war. It was between Protestants and Catholics. Yep.
1: As it has been forever and ever and ever.
0: And Sweden was fighting on the Protestant side. Yeah. And now she's like, "No, nope, we're going to be a Catholic country now." I've been convinced. I've been convinced. This is a good plan for all of us. Wow. Hello, children. I hope you're having a good day. Yes. Now, please stop shouting. Please stop shouting. Just to continue the theme of being old. <laughs> <laughs> Why, I oughta. Um Get off my lawn. The queen's sexuality and views on marriage had been problematic for the council, but neither would have proved insurmountable. Her new religious feeling, however, that would be a huge issue.
1: Oh, boy. The council were
0: like Sweden, for the most part, staunch Lutherans, and had no wish to change that. It was probably over religion that they first began to discuss her abdication. There were contributing factors, including the effect that the workload of being a monarch was having on her health, but the end result was the same. On the 6th of June, 1654, in a public ceremony, Queen Christina abdicated the throne of Sweden. So she wasn't even 30 years old. She was 28.
1: Wow. And, she, which, I mean, clearly she was coerced mm-hmm. into doing that. I wonder... Or maybe, I mean, like, if
0: it was taking a toll on her health. Yeah, I mean, I wonder how much probably, of that probably, I like, mean, coercion it could have been just through discussion. Like, this is going to be better. You're going to cause turmoil. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. We'll see.
1: I like the way you say... Uh, you say coercion,
0: as opposed to what?
1: I say coercion. Oh, I just like it. I like the way you say it.
0: Oh, thanks. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay, so she abdicated the throne. Uh, the members of her council formally removed her regalia. Oh God, that sound. This sounds like a crazy. It sounds like slightly insulting.
1: Like it was a, a just like
0: to show to the world that this is happening and she's okay with it.
1: Weird.
0: Yeah. Um... Let's, they, so the council formally removed her regalia, but the count who was supposed to remove her crown couldn't bring himself couldn't bring himself to do it. Christina removed the crown herself, giving up her power with her own two hands. Wow,
1: that's she a was, really powerful image. She was like pretty someone done. else
0: was supposed to take her crown off and couldn't. She's like, fine, I'll do it myself. Wow.
1: I mean, that makes me feel better about it. <laughs> yeah, and just like her willingness slash possible desire to no longer be on the throne. It kind of sounds like she did desire
0: to do it in that moment. But as you will learn, she didn't realize that giving up her crown meant giving up a lot of her power. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) And so she becomes less okay with it later on. Anyway, uh, initially, Christina retired to live in Holland, which was an allied country. This did mean traveling through Denmark, uh, which she did disguised as a man. Oh. In fact, now that she was free of the strictures of monarchy, men's clothing became her normal garb. She settled in Antwerp, where she threw herself into the social life of the city, holding parties, going to see plays and concerts, you know, generally having a good time. She did formally convert to Catholicism, but she didn't publicly announce it for fear the Swedish government, under the new King Charles Gustav, would stop paying her pension.
1: Smart. Smart. Yeah.
0: Her money began to run, run short anyway, though, and so, in September oh. of 1655, she accepted a proposition from the Pope, publicly avow Catholicism, and become his guest
1: in Rome. Oh, like sponsored guest? Like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Bringing Christina to Rome was a notorious triumph for Pope Alexander VII. It was a triumph in another sense as well. Christina entered the cities of Italy like a victorious Roman general of old. (laughs) She toured through a half dozen of them before finally entering into Rome on the 20th of December. The gate through which she entered the city had a new facade added by the great sculptor Bernini to commemorate the occasion. And he also designed her coach for the procession. So this is like a huge thing. Yeah. Like a huge... It, we she, got a
1: monarch! Go us! She's
0: Woo-hoo! the former monarch. But monarch! But monarch, yeah!
1: We did it!
0: Which is, But, you know, if she was worried that they weren't going to pay her pension, now she really threw them under the bus.
1: Well, she decided someone else was going to pay her pension.
0: Well, you know, the Vatican always has a shitload of money, so... <laughs> yes,
1: they do. Makes sense.
0: Yep. Um, two days after entering the city, she was confirmed as a Catholic by the Pope himself and given the confirmation name of Alexandra, after the Pope. Oh, oh! She was the center of attention at the papal court for the next few months, and afterwards she held regular salons in the palace she was lodged in. So the Vatican was putting her up in a fucking pet Well, no wonder.
1: Yeah, I would
0: pick that. <laughs> for the woman who had dreamed of this type of bohemian lifestyle, it was yeah. perfect. Mm-hmm. Of course, Christina was aware this could not go on forever. Her conversion, a meant that her financial support from Sweden could be drastically cut, and she could not rely on the support of the Pope forever. She cast her eye around the Mediterranean and soon spotted an opening for which she was uniquely qualified, that of Queen. Oh. Queen of Naples, to be precise. Really? The kingdom had been disputed between the French and Spanish dominions since the 15th century, but at the moment, Spain was in the ascendant uh, position. France had officially given up their claim in 1559, but in practice, that simply meant that they had switched to encouraging Neapolitan independence from Spain. Christina's proposal was simple, that the French should conquer the island and install her as queen, and that on her death, <laughs> she would bequeath the crown to France. So simple. So sneaky. So easy to do. Be like, just take it over. Just go Make conquer me the it. queen, and then I promise I will give it to you when I die.
1: Like, this plan is perfect. There are no flaws.
0: I mean, but what's weird is that wouldn't, if France conquered it in the first place, then they have it. Like yeah. what, she must have been incredibly charming to think that she could try and convince, you know, like go in and be like, here's the deal. You conquer this. And I get, I get that it's yours because you conquered it. Give it to me. I'll rule it for you. And then I'll give it back.
1: Yeah, maybe it's like, maybe there's this idea of, well, I have royal blood, and maybe you have a shortage of people with royal blood, And if I produce an
0: heir, the heir would be a French heir. I don't Mm -hmm. know. It's interesting. It was an audacious plan, and frankly, (laughs) almost certainly unworkable. (laughs) (laughs) But Christina was
1: convinced it could happen. She was convinced a lot of things could happen. That academy, first of all. Uh, (laughs) Killing Descartes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Minor setbacks. She's, you know, she figures it out eventually. Some way or another.
0: In the summer of 1656, so now she is 30, she traveled to Paris in order to discuss the plan with the French. If they had been seriously considering it, then they may have had second thoughts when they met her. (laughs) Oh, no. Her male dress and manners scandalized the French court, though others were fascinated by the freedom of her self-expression. Uh-huh. By the time she left, she had reached an agreement with Queen Anne, mother of and regent for 13-year-old Louis XIV. France would support her, at least on paper. Mm-hmm. In practice, they may have just planned to use her to weaken the Spanish. Yeah. On her way out of the country, she paid a visit to famous freethinker and libertine Ninon de L'Enclos. Uh, Ninon is often incorrectly described as a courtesan as she never married and took many wealthy men on the day, uh, of the day as her lover. Z. Lovers. In fact, she was always ferociously proud of not needing to rely on men for financial support and instead supported herself through her writing. What? we should do Ninon de l'Enclos uh, on this fucking... Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. You should do her because you can pronounce her name. Yep. Yeah. Mm.
0: Uh, she had been, Im- uh, imprisoned in a convent at the order of the queen due to her outspoken atheism. This woman sounds awesome. Uh, what passed between the two is unknown. Mm-hmm. But following the meeting, Christina used her influence to ensure Ninon was released.
1: hmm mm-hmm. I
0: think I have an idea.
1: Yeah, I think so. I have a few, mm-hmm. a few, a few theories things passed a few between theories. them.
0: They have a lot in common, it would seem. Yeah. About never wanting to marry and being free thinkers. Yep. <sighs> okay. Though Christina had the French Pledge of Support, it did not translate into action anywhere near fast enough for her. Yeah. The following year, she returned to France to try and speed it up. (laughs) Where's my island? I want to be be the Queen of Naples. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Queen of Naples. Sounds perf. It's warmer there than it is in Sweden anyway. I am available, ready to start. I can bring philosophers and they won't die of pneumonia. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Because the climate's warmer. Who knows? She'll find a way. She'll find a way. Um, While staying at the Chateau de Fontainebleau, just outside Paris, she made a shocking discovery. (gasps) One of her most trusted servants, an Italian nobleman lame, named, and I can't pronounce this because I don't speak Italian, John. Wait, so I... no okay
1: g okay. i a n John g- yeah, probably. yeah John.
0: Monal Yep, yeah, I'm just gonna go with that. Um so I'm one so of her most trusted right servants <laughs> one of her most trusted servants, that guy, had been secretly <laughs> sending copies of all of her letters to the Pope. <gasps> Drama. Betrayal. Wow. Betrayal. Um, So she confronted him with that evidence, then ordered her guards to execute him as a traitor. Fair. Traitor to what nation? Nobody knows.
1: Nobody knows.
0: (laughs) Though he tried to flee, they chased him through the hallways of her palace and stabbed him to death. Whoa. Yikes. Very off with his head. Poor Johnny. Wow. Under French law, as Monaldeschi's superior in rank, Christina was perfectly entitled to do what she did. Okay. In practice, though, it proved massively unpopular. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It ended French support for her adventure in Naples, and that guy's family had enough influence in Rome to ensure that her name was Mud by the time she returned to the city. Oh. The most common story in the city became that Monaldeschi had been her lover and that she had killed him when he complained of her unfaithfulness. Okay. Oh, boy. Uh, When she finally returned to the city in 1658, her reputation was in tatters.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Ouch. Don't stab a guy in your palace. Because he's being being faithful to the Vatican, which you
0: purport to be faithful to as well. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. Mistakes were made. Mistakes were made. Christina made two final attempts to involve herself in continental politics. In 1660, when her heir, Charles Gustav, died, her cousin who became the king. Oh, shit. She returned to Sweden, positing that as she had abdicated in his favor, specifically then, his death should make her queen again. (laughs) Seems rational. You'd think. Mm -hmm. However, her new religion meant that she would never be accepted, and instead she wound up renouncing the throne again in order to secure her income.
1: Aye, yay. It seems like yay. converting
0: to Catholicism was like a huge problem for her life. Like, if she hadn't, things would have maybe gone differently. I think that's true of a lot of people. Fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also tried to visit her bell while she was in the country, but the Spar family blocked it.
1: Oh boy.
0: Mm. Her last play for a throne came in 1668 when John Casimir of Poland, John Casimir II, excuse me, of Poland abdicated the throne. Poland had an elective monarchy. Weird. How? how? That, you I, elect your kings? Yeah, but probably from the family, maybe. I don't know. We'll have to look Whoa. into that. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so Poland had an elective monarchy, and through her mother, Christina... Oh, yeah, so it is It is based off of your family. So through okay. her mother, Christina was eligible.
1: I gotcha. Okay. To be elected
0: okay. As a Catholic candidate, she had the support of the pope, but she was defeated by the Polish native Michael the first bummer yeah in November of 1668 she returned to Rome for the last time so by this time her reputation had improved a little bit um but she was still considered a barbarian and an outcast by the nobles of Rome yeah rather than run from that she embraced it (laughs) and became the closest thing to a counterculture leader that the 17th century holy city had well yeah she founded the city's first public theater since classical times And when a new pope forced it to close, she held performances in her palace. So the pope forbade women performers in theater, but Christina happily ignored his rule, which is awesome. Um, She spoke out on behalf of the Jews of the city who faced regular ritualized humiliation from the church, of course, because the Jews have always been...
1: Um, How many times have we talked about that on this podcast? Uh,
0: Apparently part of the papal inauguration ceremony involved the chief rabbi of Rome presenting him with a beautifully handwritten Torah as a symbol of the two religions' shared heritage. The new pope would then throw it into the mud as a symbol of Christianity superseding Judaism. Wow, that is fucked up.
1: Oh boy, Uh things have been problematic for a long,
0: long time. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and pressured the pope... Into issuing an edict forbidding the chasing of them through the streets during carnivals. Whoa. Whoa. So she was like, hey, let's not. So it's interesting because she converted to Catholicism, went to all this trouble, basically became a problem for her own country because of converting to Catholicism. And yet, because this new pope was horrifyingly anti Semitic, she spoke on behalf of the Jewish people and was like, hey, let's not do that. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Um, she promoted free thinking and often supported those theologians who fell afoul of the church orthodoxy. Whoops. And she was, of course, a notable patron of the arts, just as she had always wished to be. Christina spent over 20 years as the queen of Rome's underground scene and thorn in the side of the establishment. (laughs) But in 1689, at the age of 62, she fell ill and died. She had asked for a simple funeral, but the pope decided that such a notable convert deserved to be honored and that he deserved to get one more publicity coup out of her. I was going to say, she didn't, like, give them a ton of great publicity, so... <laughs> she was embalmed and displayed for public mourning for four days, and then she was given a funeral and rites suitable for a dead pope. What? Whoa. Yeah. Okay. She was even buried in the same Vatican graveyard as the pope's, one of only three women in history to be so honored. Jeez. As a monument to her, uh, 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 uh mm, nope, a monument to her erected in memory of her contribution to the culture of the city of Rome stands in St. Peter's Basilica to this day. Wow. Which is interesting because she seemed to have a very sort of conflicted relationship with the whole Catholicism thing. and Rome and the Vatican. Yeah. Anyway, Christina was, of course, not forgotten after her death. Sweden remembered her as the queen who gave up the throne. Rome remembered her as patron of the arts. And France remembered her as a murderous foreign noblewoman. (laughs) (laughs) The drama of her abdication inspired no less than four operas. As well as multiple novels and plays. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was even the subject, shut up. It was even the subject of a Greta Garbo movie in 1933. I was
1: going to ask you if it's you would, the, I think it's called The Girl King. It's called Queen Christina. Yeah. And it's what's cool about it is it's obviously pre-Hayes Code. I'm about to talk about that. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry.
0: <laughs> the Hayes Office made sure that producer Louis B. Mayer knew that any overt reference to her sexuality wouldn't be tolerated. So he had to give her a male love interest as the real reason she abdicates the quote unquote real reason Rude. she abdicates. Um, others were more open to her unconventional sexual identity. so they Space. had to, they had to make sure the Hayes the Hayes office made sure that they 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 didn't directly make reference to her sexuality but of course Greta Garbo was also bisexual and they, there's like a kiss written into the script between her and the woman playing uh, Bell. And that it was written in the script to be very um platonic, like just a general sort of like kiss kiss greeting. and Greta Garbo did not kiss her platonically <laughs> at all. So I fucking love Greta Garbo. <laughs> so much. Um, so that's pretty cool. What were you gonna say about it? Just that?
1: Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um. others were more open to her unconventional sexual identity and just as in life she became a fixture of counterculture though a 1965 exhumation of christina's bones found no positive evidence that she was intersex how would you know from bones that's what i want to know i'm sure there's a way yeah that's weird like you don't genitalia is pure flesh
1: yeah and also who gives a shit maybe it's like the shape of the pelvic bone or something like, maybe,
0: but but everybody's different. A 1965 exhumation of her bones found no positive in evidence that she was intersex. It's undeniable that she was not a normal woman of the period she came from. And like Benedetta Carlini, she served as a reminder to many women and men throughout history that there have always been people like them, people who didn't fit into the narrow boundaries of society and gender. Like all of us, she was what she was made to be, but unlike so many people of the time, she had the freedom to actually be who she really was. We will never know how many people throughout history have been denied that chance.
1: Yeah, we 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 get to talk about a lot of the women who were wealthy enough to make that happen for themselves, mm-hmm. and it's unfortunate they had the mobility and mm-hmm. and capability to just be eccentrics, basically. Yep. Be in in what am I trying to say?
0: Never mind. Gender not normal, according to Hannah Gadsby. Tender, not normal. So that was Queen Christina of Sweden. Yay!
1: Thank you. She had
0: a very like fascinating
1: life. I think. Yeah, she was all constantly making headlines. What's funny is she was clearly ambitious. Oh yeah. But she but she didn't have the best ideas. (laughs) And she didn't seem to have the best follow through all the time.
0: (laughs) Like that was the thing: is she was queen, and they convinced her that it was too exhausting for her, so maybe she should. Like abdicate, like this is complicated, and you're tired, and it's affecting your health. And then she's like, she's like, great, here, have my crown. So her follow through was weak because she was like, cool, let me do that. And then it's like, wait, I don't like not being queen. When I was queen, I could do a lot more shit. I want to be a queen again. I had more money. I had more influence. And it's like when when you take you when you abdicate the throne, it's very clearly a way uphill battle to get it back. Yep. I find that interesting that Poland is the elective monarchy thing. That's weird.
1: Yeah, that's weird. Like, I a guess really... as long as you're
0: just a family member of the bloodline, you can't just be like some random person who's like, I want to be king of Poland. Right, you still have to be chosen by God or, or whatever. Whatever. Sure. look into that. <gasps> <sighs> Read that. Do you want to hear some history? <laughs> More? More history? Yeah. Okay. The on this day? Yeah, tell me. Cool. So, this episode is dropping on August 22nd. It's almost September. Yay! So, August 22nd, 1654, Jacob bar Simpson arrives in New Amsterdam. He is the first known Jewish immigrant to America. Oh, that's cool. 1654. All right. On this day. Cool. Forever ago. Forever ago. Uh, August 22nd, 1791 was the beginning of the Haitian Slave Revolution in Saint-Domingue, Haiti. Wow. Apparently that was like a big slave uprising day because on August 22nd, 1831, Nat Turner's slave rebellion commences just after midnight in Southampton County, Virginia, leading to the deaths of about 60 white people and approximately 250 black people. Whoa. Oof! yikes. August 22nd, 1849, the first air raid in history. Austria launches pilotless balloons against oh my the God. city of Venice. Oh, my God. Balloons! Launch the balloons! Take that! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Um, August 22nd, 1902, <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt becomes the first president of the United States to make a public appearance in an
1: automobile. Oh, Teddy, look at
0: you. Fancy pants. Fancy. Um, August 22nd, 1950, Althea Gibson becomes the first black competitor in international tennis.
1: Oh, wow. 1950? 1950. All right. All right. Uh, August 22nd,
0: 1968. Pope Paul VI arrives in Bogota, Colombia. It's the first visit of a pope to Latin America, which I find insane because of how Catholic Latin America is. What what year is that? 1968. Jesus. Took them long enough. And the current pope is from from South America, right? He's from Argentina or something. Yeah, Pope Francis. So, wow. Crazy, right? This one I thought was hilarious just because I hate Roy Moore. No. August 22nd, 2003, Alabama Chief Justice Roy Moore is suspended. He's suspended not for being a pedophile. Oh, Of course not. He's suspended after refusing to comply with a federal court order to remove a rock inscribed with the Ten Commandments from the lobby of the Alabama Supreme Court building.
1: There's a little thing called separation of church and state. Also, what the fuck would he know about the fucking Ten Commandments? Clearly. You sick pedophile. You sick fuck. Cool.
0: Uh, I also have some birthdays.
1: Tell me, tell me.
0: I feel like this is going to be a long episode for some reason. Yeah, it's all good. 1893, Dorothy Parker was born on August 22nd. Huh. American poet, short story writer, critic, and satirist. All right. Mm-hmm. 1920, Ray Bradbury. Oh. Yeah. Science fiction writer, wow. screenwriter. Yep. 1963. There's a lot of really cool people born on August 22nd, which is weird. Yeah, um, and awesome. Wait till you hear mine. <laughs> uh, 1963. Tori Amos. Oh, Tori. Uh, 1973. Kristen Wig. Happy birthday, Kristen Wig. Happy birthday, Kristen Wig. Oh my goodness. Right. Also, 1974. Senator Cory Gardner. All right. All right. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Uh, 1975. Rodrigo Santoro. Wait, who's that? He's the sexy Brazilian actor who was in Love Actually, and he's also in Westworld.
1: Oh, I love him. He's so hot. I have had the biggest crush on him since Love Actually. Uh Yeah, yeah. Happy birthday, Rodrigo. I even thought he was hot in 300, and he had a lot of makeup on. Oh,
0: what's he? Xerxes? Uh huh. Well, Mm -hmm. he's very undeniably hot. Yes. Uh, And then, ironic, just because we were talking about her last night, uh, 1995, Dua Lipa. Ah! Happy birthday, Dua Lipa. Happy birthday, 95. Wow. 95, which makes her 23. Oof. Okay. Happy 23rd birthday. Uh,
1: Happy birthday.
0: Also, it's my grandpa's birthday today. Happy birthday, Grandpa. Right? Happy birthday, Grandpa Greif. All right. He's a good dude. He's a good dude. (laughs) He is... He's also Catholic, which feels appropriate. Oh, well then. For the whole theme of this episode. let's
1: not shit on Catholicism as our closer then, right? Uh,
0: Theoretically. Yeah. What do you have to say? What are you excited about this week, Anna?
1: Um, Well, two things. Ben and I managed to see some of the meteors that we talked about, so I I pronounced it incorrectly. Thanks, Mom. Yeah. Sorry, it's Perseids, right? I think so. Not Persides. Which once I once I saw it spelled that way like phonetically, I was like, "Oh, that makes a lot of sense." But anyway, we went and um, we went upstate and we saw some meteors and, and they were And you had an never awesome. seen shooting stars before. Never. That's, and these were big. It's gorgeous, right? They like these we saw a couple and they just shot across the entire sky. <sighs> these just like huge thick like paint paint strokes. It was really cool. Paint strokes of light. Paint strokes of light streaking across the sky. It was really neat. So we saw that. I'm excited that we got to do that. And um uh and this is this is a little bit of a spoiler. So for anybody who has not watched Shits Creek, I'm behind the times, but I've been watching it. And if you don't want to hear about it, just like, you know, go la 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 for a minute, but I've been watching it, I'm through like the first season and a half, and they have, um, one of their main characters is pansexual. Oh. And I don't, I can't think of any TV show where I have seen, A, a male character who is playing bi or pan. Yeah, that's rare. It's so, so rare. Like I can't, besides the show, I cannot think of one.
0: Uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend.
1: Oh, I don't know if I've watched that far. Wait, who's by from the very
0: beginning. Um, the uh, the oh, boss. Oh, that's right.
1: The boss. Oh, yeah. that's right. Okay, so that's one.
0: It's very rare to have a, a bisexual or pansexual character that's not an attractive young woman.
1: Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I like about this is the character is played by Dan Levy, who in real life is a gay man, and he identifies as gay. So he... The character you sort of start off assuming that the character is gay. I did when yeah. I saw the one episode, and I think that's intentional. And what I like about that is it. I think sometimes we we reconcile bisexuality in men or pansexuality in men with like, you know, being more masculine, so that it's like okay, you know what I mean? Sure. And so that's not what they're doing with this, and I appreciate that a lot. like he sleeps with women, and that's not considered they're not they don't make a caricature caricature out of that. That's awesome. So I'm really excited about that and obviously I'll keep watching because now I'm into it. but yeah. yeah,
0: do you know what's funny? I saw this great post once about how um like generally speaking pansexual or bisexual women are often lumped into. Oh, you're straight, but you just mess around, mm-hmm. and pansexual or bisexual men are assumed to be gay.
1: Yeah, and then so, and and- somebody
0: pointed out, they were like, "Why is the focus always on being attracted to men?" Yeah, that you that that's. I know. That's what you think the the true sexuality, the more the po- more powerful part of it is. I know. Which is weird. Societal Which is not bullshit. True at all? No, nope. but whatever, because there are different gradients. Within that the spectrum.
1: Spectrums, identities, <coughs> labels, they're things. They happen. <laughs> anyway. All right. Hopefully we're not running too long. Yeah. I thought that
0: that was really worthy of delving into like all those details yeah. about her life because it kind of it, m- encapsulates her more fully if you learn.
1: It paints a really interesting picture of her that honestly I hadn't, when I think of her, I thought of her a lot more like, you you know, you did um, Julie Daubigny. Yeah. And I've always thought of her a little bit more like that.
0: But not, she's not.
1: And she's really not. And I, so I appreciate how deeply you delved into that and, you know, all the different all, all the different parts of her, like, you know, ambition and and shoddy ideas and you know killing rene descartes and accidentally uh, i mean yeah accidentally but still that's pretty funny we'll take care of you whoops we whoops pneumonia just a little case of pneumonia he was old whatever yeah um and crabby it's fine but anyway yeah i like it thanks
0: yeah, there's so much loud street traffic today. I know.
1: We'll 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 say goodbye and say goodbye for now. Relieve you of this street traffic noise. Um, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. We had a really nice spike last week because a bunch of people were telling their friends to listen. Yeah, and it's always um, it's helpful. It. You can see
0: it. I went on on set for the show that I work on, and I I ran into one of my um, friends on the crew. And she was like, oh, my God, I love your podcast. Ah! And I was like, what? And so apparently she's telling other crew members on the show. Oh, fuck yeah. Which because I'm in casting, and I don't ever get to be on set that frequently, but Mm -hmm. they were shooting near work. So we went to say hi. And so she's, like, telling people... On the crew to listen to the show, and I was like, "Dang!" Thank you. I
1: know. That's what we like to hee he, ear. He. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I enjoy it. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. <gasps> Peace out, witches. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Good Witches, Bad Bitches. Thank you for our listening. <laughs> you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Blueberry, and more. Basically, anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Mm-hmm. If you like our
0: podcast, it would be really helpful if you could please like and subscribe, rate and review, share with your
1: friends on social media, word of mouth, Mm -hmm. all of that. It's great. Yes. And you can find us on Twitter at GWBB Podcast. Instagram is the same. And we are on Facebook under Good Witches, Bad Bitches Podcast. And hey, guess what? If you want
0: to hear all of our episodes, they are all up at our website, GWBBpodcast.com.
1: If you have a story about a woman in your life that you want to share with us and that you want us to share on our podcast at some point, you can email us at gwbbpodcast at gmail.com.
0: Hey guys, you know what? If you like what you hear maybe please consider a little bit of supporting us financially by visiting our tip jar. Um, the link is in the show notes. Every little bit helps. It just kind of makes it so that we can keep this going so that it has some longevity. So just think about it. See, see how you feel about
1: it. Or you can support this podcast directly by buying us a coffee on... Our Ko-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> so that is ko-fi.com slash podcast. Um, coffee start at three dollars because that's generally the price of a fancy coffee and it just helps us keep the ship going good witches bad bitches is produced by moon bounce and powered by pinecast boom 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 thank you so much for listening thank you so much for listening